if you think regardless of whatever it maybe might be, try not to live in a place of denial. Be the advocate that your child needs you to be. Even if you don't think you're that parent, even if you get it wrong because you're going to get it wrong, just try. Welcome to the Daily Naked Parent Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we're going to be discussing parenting struggles, raising special needs children. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guests today, let me start by sharing our community's code. Naked Parent Nation's a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So as we continue our journey, before I introduce you to our guests today, we like to just do some centering and grounding. So if I can ask you to sit up straight with your spine erect and just slowly let your eyes close and just try to let the day or any thoughts that you're having fall away and just kind of take in the feeling in your body and take in the sounds in the room and with no anticipation of what's to come next let me share something with you Thank you. 
and just taking a little time to get grounded and rooted can recharge your battery and give you what you need for the day ahead. Even just two minutes. You can fill your mind with compassion. And I like to do that at the beginning of each show just to encourage that we all take time for ourselves and recharge our batteries. And moving forward, I would like to introduce Naked Parent Nation to Brenda. Brenda, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. You're calling in from Minnesota? I am, where we just had received an abundance of snow. (laughs) Yay, yay. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your family and tell us about Brenda? Sure, sure. I am been married to my husband for 14 years, 13 years. We've been together for almost 20. So we were like the quintessential high school sweethearts, didn't move very far from our hometowns, got married, built a house and had children just the way that it all is supposed to go. Um, I have two kiddos. Uh, My daughter, her name is Ava. She's 11. And then my son, Mason is six. And he is our special needs kiddo. He is autistic. He also has some sensory processing disorder. He has sensory processing disorder and uh, global developmental delay. We try to be a very active outside kind of family and continue to work to build um, opportunities for Mason to be immersed in our community. We are thankful we're in a very small, or not a very small, but a smaller community. It's got its curse and blessings, of course, with resources and such. But it is nice that we are very fortunate that our hometown is kind of very accepting, very loving for the most part. So I'm thankful that we have that small town feel. And that's kind of us in a nutshell. Awesome. Um, uh, With your daughter, was there any, is there any unique needs with her? No, Thankfully not. We did question at one point if there was um, maybe some things going on. We did pursue some um, some evaluations and testing and such with her. Um, she's just a kiddo that school just doesn't come easy for her. COVID happened and all of the social things that go along with that was kind of at like those critical ages where you're really developing those friendships and such. She's kind of just started recovering into that piece of it within about the last year, which has really been great. But primarily our needs are our son. Did the questions arise for your daughter after knowledge of unique needs with your son or before? I think it made us definitely more aware. Like, okay, are we seeing like, is this something or is this just like, we're a little behind or what do we have going on to it? We kind of wondered with Mason around 14 to 16 months old, like something was off, but we really weren't sure what And at that point, there's about a four and a half year difference age-wise between the two of them. Um, And so once we like got through that whole process of like arriving to where we were, that just made us 
maybe you'll even a little hypersensitive to, are we missing anything? Because so much of our energy is going into our son. Oh my gosh, I hope we're not leaving anything, you know, her in the dust by any means. So I think we were just definitely more aware of it. Did you grow up with anyone with special needs? Did you have, have you been surrounded with special needs or did, or was your son's sort of missing some milestones, your first introduction? That's a really good question. So my experience with special needs was I was actually um, a personal care attendant, a PCA for a young man when I was in high school. So in high school, I cared for an ASD kiddo. Wow. So weird how the world works, right? Uh-huh. So I worked with him for six years and there were absolutely times when we were kind of in that before we had a diagnosis for our son where it's like, this seems awfully familiar. And the piece about autism, of course, is that it's a spectrum. There's so many like, you know, there are, yes, some classic, you know, telltale signs that some people experience and other people like that's like the furthest thing that they deal with. So, but there were just some very similar things. And of course, when we were in this process of, of just that feeling, that gut, like something is different here, that there were those moments of, uh, I've been down this road before. Hmm. Hmm. So were you and your husband seeing the same things at the same times and kind of on the same page or, or did you approach it from different? For the most part, yes. There were some things that I think, I, I don't know if it's just a mom thing, but just that and and certainly not that fathers don't worry or anything of the sorts, but just that feeling like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And and we, we talked about it and communicated about it. We also tried to not play the game, but also realize that, of course, no two kids are alike, neurotypical or not, that, okay, we have a daughter and, you know, they always say boys are slower to develop than girls. So I'm like, maybe we're just really you know, jump in the gun here and let's pump the brakes a little and see where we're at. And then once things started to stay and not hit those other milestones, then it was like, okay, we got to start somewhere and start doing something. Maybe this is like not a big deal. We didn't think like autism right away. We just thought maybe he's just delayed. So we started with a program in our community that kind of brought in home care in, started that a little bit, and then had a conversation with our pediatrician about like, we've got these concerns. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office that, that day at his like well child check thinking, just being like, I have these concerns. Something is not right. I don't know exactly what it is. I wonder if it might be something like autism or something more than a delay. And I remember her saying like, okay, so we've said the word autism. And I said, yes, like, why is this scary? And her recommendation, and I love our pediatrician. She has been nothing but phenomenal, truly, like very supportive of anything, referrals, anything we needed. She is right there with us and always like, great. So I'm certainly not downplaying this, but she said, I don't think it's autism, but if this is keeping you staring at your ceiling at night, I will put in a referral for you. And I said, yes, please do it. Because I knew even if it wasn't, we needed to be able to, we took the stance of if something's wrong, we need to get ahead of this and we need to do whatever we can to make this the best outcome we can give him. We were very much in that 
that sense of being motivated to do what we could. We didn't, we already felt like, to be honest, we already, I already, and I still kind of kick myself a little bit with this. I mean, our son was diagnosed officially at 28 months and I will never forget standing in our kitchen on his second birthday, putting away his cake, saying to my husband, I just hope there's nothing wrong with him Mm. before we had the diagnosis. It's still 28 months is, you know, not super delayed in having that done. And and I'm not shaming anybody that would wait that long. But for us, it was just like, I already felt like we were behind the ball, even when we were trying to be ahead of the ball, if that, or I mean, ahead of the game, if that makes any kind of sense. Diagnosis or from the time that you got the referral to go get the diagnosis to diagnosis, how long did that process take? We waited... When we called to make the appointment at the facility we wanted him to be seen at, because that's just what they had specialized in, our referral went in October, and it wasn't until the following August that we finally got him in and were able, like, we were just waitlisted. They couldn't even give us, like, a, hey, well, they were basically like, we'll call you when when we can. And we got a phone call, like, two weeks prior to our actual appointment, and they were like, hey, we had a cancellation. Is there any chance you can make this work? We're like, we're there. Yep, absolutely. And the facility that we went to is a couple of hours away from our home. Again, because we're in very rural, small town USA, the place was a couple hours away. And we had, we're very fortunate that we had communicated with them. If there's any way you get through this, or if there is something that is glaringly obvious and you can make the recommendation and we can talk about what maybe might be here that day, we left that same day with his ASD diagnosis. Wow. Do you remember what that felt like? I do. Like, I will never forget the car ride home that night. I mean, of course, like, you're just in, we had suspected it, but we were still, like, in in shock. Like, yep, here is autism for you. So there was that part where you're kind of, like, just in shock and not, you know, you're kind of going through the motions. And then at the same time, your mind is just spinning, like, 100 miles an hour. And I... We'll never forget that car ride as long as I live because the thoughts that stood out to me the most were how devastated I was about what the relationship my daughter and my son would have. Mm -hmm. I am extraordinarily close with my siblings and I wanted nothing more than to give my daughter that, that relationship that I hoped we could foster and develop. So being just absolutely heartbroken about that and, and, just to back up just a tiny bit, we had suffered a miscarriage between my son and my daughter. And so it was just like going through that heartbreak all over again of losing that child. And then my child is still here. He's sitting in the back seat, rambling on and then being so fortunate for that, but still just feeling so incredibly sad about what that was going to look like for them. Again, well, I still don't know what that's going to entirely look like because they're still young, but but just that atypical thought of they're going to grow up and I can't wait for them to fight about leave me alone. And she took this and right. all the things right. um, and then developing into what I have right now with my siblings is just a phenomenal relationship. Wow. So not having that and the feelings of being so sad that I mean, my husband is very much um, an outdoorsman and that's something that's really important to his family and has been for like generations upon generations. And that probably not looking like what it was 
what we had hoped for. I remember the day he was born in the hospital, he said to me, he's like, there's so many things we have to buy for him. That car ride home, I, between being like numb and still shocked and trying to slow my brain down, I, that was a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, I do a lot of interviews. I mean, it's just a passion project, but like when people talk about the diagnosis, I mean, my eyes, like, I mean, it's just so intense. There's so many emotions and there's so many rabbit holes to go down. Absolutely. To that. And you listed some of them and they're usually tied around expectation. And it doesn't seem to make it easier, even knowing that it's tied around expectation. It's like, yes, it is tied around expectation. Mm-hmm. But wow. So thank you for sharing that. Do you hit the ground running? Do you fall into depression? Do you fall into addiction? Do you have to run to the marriage counselor? What happens in the next six months? In the next six months, the next six months was, I am a fix it person. Okay. My reaction was, we need to get him services. We need to get him here. How do I get this? So on and so forth. And that also was, you know, in the same time, you're like slowly dying in the inside as a parent because you're watching your child struggle. And for me, that was a motivator. That was, I have to do, we have to do. And I say this like I, but my husband was also extremely involved in, okay, what do we do with this? Here's what they're presenting. You know, we, cause we also started with some um, occupational therapy, speech therapy. We had actually even started that a little before we got in and got the diagnosis. So he was already, the ball was already rolling there. And what I learned as we were going was the diagnosis, all it does is unlocks the services, but getting the services and really not knowing where to go with it. You know, we have some resources and such, but unless you are going to be pushing and be on top of everything and be like a babysitter to all the people that you have made phone calls to getting services for your child is just like a full-time job in and of itself. So I went into the realm of how do we get more services? What do we need to do? Like, I am a very type A person. So a plan was what I needed. And definitely what autism and, and special needs parenting has taught is you can take that plan and you can throw it right out the window for the most part because probably isn't going to go the way that you think. So accepting that is a whole deal. Like I said, I'm very fortunate. Both of our families are extremely supportive. I'm very thankful that we have that. Our friends, we had a really hard time with, or not a hard time with. I'm just, how do I explain this? We didn't all understand autism totally. So trying to explain it to someone else is really hard. And why does he do what he does? We're working on it, but I don't know. I don't know why he's, you know, wanting to go sit over by himself and wants nothing to do with it and just sits here like he, you know, like this. And, and, you know, like, obviously, besides that, this is bothersome for him beyond that. I don't know. And I don't know how to make it better besides at that point, it was just removing him from the situations. So that got hard and got kind of isolating and, and some of that. So just trying to like navigate those feelings of how do I deal with some of this isolation? I don't know how to explain all of this. And still at the same time, like working like a crazy bee, trying to figure out how to get everything going for them. 
that was like the next six months. And I felt like I kind of just lost myself for sure. I don't think that's an uncommon feeling. There are still days I feel like I lose myself. And like, where was this woman that was around before all of this chaos commenced? <laughs> right. Has going back to the friends, has any of that changed or yes. do you still feel isolated or, or can you tell us how that's evolved for you? Yep. That's a great question. So by and large, our friends have, they've been amazing as of late. I mean, we have a couple of core friends um, that we hang out with that they know when Mason comes over, it's like, here's the Wi-Fi password. Here's like, you know, does he need X, Y, or Z? And they're extremely accommodating. Um, Mason loves to be outside. So like in the summer in Minnesota, it, which seems forever in a day away, yeah. um, he, he really enjoys the lake and swimming and water. So we have um, a group of friends that have a pontoon and they just, they're like, hey, we're going to the lake today. If you want to come, great. And they know that if we, they invite us, there might be a moment where it's like, I'm going to need you to run me back to the boat landing because we got to go. Like, game over. I mean, thankfully, it's gotten even better as time has gone on. But they just know that. And they, they're very like, you just tell us what you need and we'll just do it. So that's really good. But there are still those moments where we just got invited to a water park to stay overnight at a hotel with them. And we would love to do that. But staying overnight, sleeping in a place where Mason doesn't know, ain't nobody sleeping, including him. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, yeah. so there's still those moments of like feeling very grateful to be included, but knowing like that ain't happening for this chair or for this family. Nope. Yeah. Does that affect your daughter? Yeah. Um, does she get left out of that experience because you decide not to go? Yeah, she does. Not always. And we really try and make a point to find opportunities for her without feeling like she's being passed off because that's not what we want. We just know that we can't always do what, she, you know, what we could all do as a family. And so we have some friends too, that will just, we try and make a point to let her go do things, or it's like, this is special time with so-and-so and she's going to have an overnight there trying to take time ourselves to just be like, let's just go out for supper. Just the three of us, my husband, my daughter and I, yeah. so that, she's not left behind. And again, did that impact some of the social piece of things like in her early development? Yeah, it's entirely possible. And we can't go back and change it all. I can, all we can try and do is do better moving forward with her yeah. and knowing what we know now. Yes. Wow. So far, thank you so much for sharing the journey. I feel like you're really good at explaining and I feel like I'm you know, understanding. Does he know how to swim? Did he learn? Or is it just life preservers when you say he's on the pontoon boat? Like is yep. he, he watched a hundred percent of the time or oh yeah. talk a little bit about that? He can't swim independently. That's actually kind of on our list of finding somewhere that can like private swimming lessons of some variety because he is a fish, but he does wear like a puddle jumper. He's still like, he's six years old, but he's like a scrawny little thing. He's barely 50 pounds. So, so he's still hanging out in his puddle jumper and he can do that. Just this last summer, actually, we went to my aunt's house and she has a pool and it's only like 
four feet deep and he can jump in and still, you know, he's, he's still above water and everything. And he has loved being able to like, it's fun to watch him when he's trying to hold his breath and figure out like the buoyancy thing and all of that. So that's been really fun. Does he drink the water? Oh, all the time. Yeah. (laughs) We joke that he's building the immune system, like full force in the summer when he's drinking lake water. Yeah. What does a difficult day in your household look like? when things aren't working smoothly for Mason. Yeah, we just have had several of these days in a row because of the snow, there's been no school. He goes to um, an ABA facility 40 hours a week. They've actually been on reduced hours because they have some staffing shortages. So that in and of itself has been tough for Mason. Like routine is huge for him. So the unpredictability really creates some anxiety and some troubles for him. So a rough day for him is his most favorite thing in the whole world is any kind of screen. He's been like that since he was a baby, like very fascinated by it. He really loves music, all of those things. So his school will send home different things that he can work on that we work on with him. And a rough day for him was yesterday. I presented those folders. He knew he needed to work through the folders in order to get, you know, either a show or he wanted his tablet. So that involves just sitting there. He's throwing things. He'll sit down or, you know, drop to the ground and not participate. Literally anything like you just have to like feel like you live in a little bit in the matrix where you like move all the things because all you can see all the things just starting to fly before they do. And when he gets really overwhelmed, then we just say, do you need a break? And then we'll take him to his bedroom. His bedroom is basically there's a bed and a dresser and not much else because we know that that can be a place that we can put him that he's safe. He does have some self-injurious behaviors he will pinch, he will push back on his eye, he will, he'll, if he's close enough to whoever, he'll pull hair. And when he gets in there, though, the only thing he does is he will hit his door with either his feet or his, his hands. So it's very loud and he's yelling. And it's just, he's trying so hard to process these emotions. He can speak, but he cannot have reciprocal conversations. So he can say, I want a show. I want whatever that might be, but his his language basically functions as a request, not a conversational kind of thing. And so it does no good to try and continue moving forward with whatever that activity is. Even if it's something like when we were inside, he loves being outside. He can have a hard time going to do a preferred activity, like going outside. And it's a lot of drop to the ground and a lot of verbal protests and a lot of those things. And usually once he's up, he's up for a long period of time. And that's a lot on his little body too, you know, physically mm-hmm. trying to get through that. So trying to work through things because it's still important. We still need to keep this routine. We still need to keep teaching him things, especially since he's having these reduced hours. You know, he's been at the house for five days, six days. He hasn't left the house in two days. And he's telling me mommy's car, mommy's car, meaning like I need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And I can identify with that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like these four walls are real constricting. And so a lot of that, I mean, in that refusal to continue through, I mean, that can continue through mealtimes that can just keep going. Like that's a meltdown. It's not uncommon if it lasted 45 minutes. So that's a bad day for Mason. That's a lot of refusal and a lot of 
of those kinds of behaviors for him. And how does that make you feel as a mom? It kills me. This poor kiddo just can't. I mean, it, it's so heartbreaking because it it's everything is so hard. He works so hard for everything. Words and trying to remember, you know, the best way that it was described to me with his language is like, it's like a filing cabinet, you know, those old things <laughs> where you know where the piece of information is on the tab when you want to go find it, but you have to like stop and think and visualize where it is and then like pull it out and put it together. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And watching him have to fight for all of that is just heartbreaking. And I think that's probably why for me, for us, that the motivation to continue to get him to to push for those things, to how do we help him? How do we help him the best? How can I help make his life as easy as I can? And that part, and then the other part of it is everything that you think about how you should react to any of your other children or how like it's supposed to be done. Right. Out the window. Right. right. <laughs> Parent, but backwards. <laughs> yes. Was his speech always kind of developing or was he nonverbal at a point? How language has unfolded in his life? Yep. That's a great question. So one of the kind of like red flags for us was his words were like not expanding when he was like 28 months when we went to his diagnosis he knew like maybe 10 words and about half of them were only because like we could interpret them uh-huh. so we went from that to um then as we got services going that did increase but there was a point in my life i remember thinking if he can just make words by the time he's five i don't know why five yeah right i don't know what was magic about age five, but I'm like, okay, if we just have age five and we have words, you know, even if it's labeling or whatever, okay, we can get there. And maybe it was because it was attainable and I don't know. But so as he has spent more time at the ABA facility that he's at, they don't have a speech. You know, it's not like he goes for, okay, now we're doing an hour of speech therapy. It is just built into their curriculum. And for Mason, that's been really helpful. So now we're working on adjectives. So he'll tell me, like, he just brought up a Nintendo game to me um, this morning and said, red car. Red car. I want to play with red car. So we, I mean, that's that's a long sentence for Mason. Cool. That's great. So it's still not reciprocal. It's just, and, and he understands what you're saying to him. Like, if I said, take this and go put it in the garbage, okay. he can do that. Receptive is good. Did he have his color right? He did. <laughs> My daughter has some real issues with colors, and it's 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 interesting. Um, anyway, that's it was so. That question came from a personal uh, from yeah. a personal place. First of all, congratulations for staying married. You're in the uh, minority, and I pass no judgment on. You know, I know it's very challenging. How have you and your husband been able to navigate? Yeah, it's hard. We have figured out that we have to make time for each other. We have to. We have to make a conscious effort, even if it is something as simple as 
hey, we're going to, we have one hour before we have to be home. Let's just go grab a drink really quick. And just having the ability to like sit and talk. Sometimes it's the rules are like no talking about the kids. Other times it can be, that's all we talk about. It might just be a recap of your day because there might not be another time for us to sit down and say, how was your day? We know we need to make time for each other. And it sounds so simple, but it's hard sometimes. My husband and I are, I mean, believe me, we struggle. We just, this morning, I had a terrible attitude for the last two days. Full, like, I was so frustrated with no school for the kids. They're out of routine, all of the things. And my attitude was pretty bad. And this morning, he's like, you need to check your attitude and you need to fix it. He was right. It kind of falls in that like weird zone of like, you're my safe space, just like, you know, your kids are, you're their safe space and they're going to have the behaviors and all of the things for you. And that's kind of what he was, or we are for each other. And I was just, I was on a couple days streak of a real bad attitude and he just called me on it. Like, you got to check it. So that piece, we seem to work very well together with. And we both want the same outcomes for Mason, no matter what that looks like. So that is hugely helpful. Well, I want to congratulate you for being able to accept that kind of comment because it's a fine line Mm -hmm. when someone's your safe space between, you know, being able to like, you know, knowing when's the right time when you can say you need to check yourself and when's not the right time to say you need to check yourself. We don't always get it right. Yeah. Believe me. (laughs) But, but this morning he did. That's That's awesome. Just to get some more of your thoughts and experience, we do kind of a lightning round where you give like a one sentence to one word to one sentence answer to some questions. Are you up for trying it? I'll do my best. (laughs) All right. What is the best advice you have received? Always try one more thing. I like that. What online course topic would you sign up for today if it was available? Related to autism? Anything you want. How to make lots of money so you can go on vacations with your special needs kids. I like it. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? ABA therapy has been great for Mason. I know it gets a mixed bag, but ABA therapy. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Mm, I would say probably individual well-being, taking more time for myself. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Money. Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your child or your family that you love and couldn't live without? We can't live without an iPad. Yes. Is there something you believe to be true that most parents disagree with? I think most people would disagree that behaviors are a direct reflection of how you parent. Nice. I could continue talking to you for a long time, but I appreciate the time that you've taken with us today. Just kind of from what we've spoken about or just anything that's on your heart, what do you say to the parents in Naked Parent Nation that are listening to the show? The things I would share with you is that if you think, regardless of whatever it maybe might be, try not to live in a place of denial. Be the advocate that your child needs you to be. Even if you don't think you're that parent, even if you get it wrong because you're going to get it wrong, just 
try, try one more thing, look for those pieces, find a way and find a space or a person or write or something for yourself where you feel like you can just be very authentic. It's not always rainbows and unicorns. And I think that we get stuck in this. We're supposed to make it just be okay. But walking that line between everything is great, but let me be real with you. That's a hard line to walk, but try and find a place, person, whatever that outlet is for you, do it for yourself and just advocate for your kiddo. Advocate, advocate, advocate. I love that. I love that. Um, I want to thank you for sharing your heart and spending the time with us to be on the show and sharing your journey. And thank I'd you love for touch, having me. <laughs> I'd love to touch base down the road and get an update and just kind of keep continuing this journey together if you're up for it. Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you for having me. This is great. If this is beneficial for one person, this is this is great just to talk. I love this. <laughs> Thanks, Brenda. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I hope the snow at least clears enough so that you can get outside. Yes, me too. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.